Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. And it's funny because by the time this gets published, we will have a new president. Well, we will have a president. Mm-hmm. We don't know who it will be. Hopefully, ready. Somebody new. Yeah, we will have a president. That's and, true. Um, so I'm not sure of the timing of our. Uh, you know, we did those last ones. Did I do the politics one with you or with Goebel? I think that was with me. Okay. It all blurs together the last three years. Yeah. But um, I'm currently in Denver uh, because I had to basically flee Boulder, Colorado after <laughs> my political homily this weekend, which you got a gist of uh, in our last podcast or two podcasts ago. I can't remember. On politics. Did, would you, what did you talk about? I think I did it with Goebel. Okay, maybe you did. Four ways to be a Catholic in politics. Yeah, I don't think that was with you. That wasn't with me. We were talking about, you know, St. Therese and all these other sweet uh, topics, you know. Probably. Goble, I do the complex. No, just joking. It was an interesting. I don't think it's been published yet because I haven't gotten any angry emails yet. But But you um, did get an angry uh, response from your homily? You should uh, tell me about your homily. Well, I got many responses. (laughs) (laughs) And so I uh, basically what we're going to talk about today is this is a follow-up on the political uh, homily, which you got kind of the gist of. And uh, what I want to do is I want to engage some of the uh, responses, and uh, some of which were good, some of which were bad, and just kind of talk about what's happening. Because I sat in a group of uh, my men's group, and we're part of this uh, brotherhood here, and we have small groups of guys, and we do this thing called the Review of Life uh, every two weeks. Joe's in a group, I'm in a group, and it's uh, total transparency. So it's basically everything, disclosing everything to the brothers and talking about life and getting advice on different things. We do that every two weeks. So when we met yesterday, um, it was amazing because all of the guys at some point in the last month had preached on politics, on the serious issues, and all of them had had people walk out of their homilies. Wow, all of them? All of them. And they're not, these guys are not like jerks, like, you know. Well, most of them. (laughs) Yeah, right. No, no, they're really not. They're, uh, these are... Uh, if anybody's a jerk, it's myself. The rest <laughs> That's of them what are, I was going to say. Yeah, right. You were you were thinking it. Um, but the rest of them are very much so um, just very good, meek men, very humble, uh, very thoughtful and prayerful men who are also very convicted that uh, there's no dimension of the church's teaching that does not need to be proclaimed. It needs to be done thoughtfully, charitably, but also boldly. And um, so it was so interesting to sit around a group of six young priests and... Um, all of us just talk about our experience of like, what is it like when people get up and walk out of your homilies, when people chew you out after mass, hmm. when you get angry letters. I seem to get the most, I yeah. uh, like by far. I bet I've received... Part of that might be where you are, though. I'm in Boulder. Yeah, I'm in the heart of... Uh, some would say the heart of darkness. Um, it's a pretty crazy place, and they do not like political homilies, Mm-mm. nor do they like... Uh, r- I think, nor do they like rational political homilies. <laughs> and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second here, but... Um, it's quite an experience, and I, I did the, I preached the same homily two weekends in a row on why Catholics have to be engaged in politics in the different forms, and then basically, yeah, there's only really one form that's acceptable. Um, and I talked about life, liberty, and marriage as the three non-negotiables, um, mm-hmm. and I, this is all in the last podcast, so I'll spare you that. They've all listened to it at this point, but it was at that point that people started getting really upset. And uh, I bet I've received oh, at least 50 emails in the last uh, 10 days. Wow. I was averaging this. one every half hour on Sunday. <laughs> and uh, more than half of them are positive. You know, That's great. So people are either really all about it or they are really pissed off. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't say pissed off. <laughs> I'm realizing now I'm being self-conscious about how often I say that. And then I, after every Mass, I had people chew me out, like straight up chew me out. Um, 
but also people just crying hugs. I mean, it was like unbe- unbelievable. The, That's... the, the line of people coming out, every single one was like completely different. And I, I literally had no idea what to expect. And it's people so I wild. thought would be angry were hugging me and were grateful. And people I never would have thought were seriously, extremely pissed off. Yeah. And, uh, and then, so I got the emails and then the, um, uh, the people chewing me out. The advantage was, um, I would make fun of people for writing me letters. I wouldn't make fun of them, but I would the, just the thought of like, I'd be like, okay, so this next point is going to get real sticky. This is when you want to get your pens out. Cause you're going to want to include this in your letter to me on Monday. <laughs> and when I would say that they would not write me letters, they would chew me out. And then I started saying by the, by the fourth or fifth mass, I was like, I've been getting chewed out after pretty much every mass. And then when I started making fun of them for chewing me out, then they started walking out. So I was like, this is kind of funny. I'm like manipulating what they do, but I'm trying to keep it light uh, because it was so intense. And I have a recording of the homily uh, where I'm actually talking to the people who are walking out because one guy made a point to come straight across the middle at my church, the exits on the right side of the sanctuary. So, I mean, he made a very clear point. So he walked out in front of everybody? In front of everybody. And I just looked at him and I just said, you know, I, I respect if you need to step outside. If any of the rest of you need to go outside, I understand. I respect that. Feel free to do so. Did he say anything? Nope. He just walked right past me. Ooh. It was crazy, though. <laughs> I was giving my homily, man. I mean, oh I was, I, this has never happened before. So, That's and I've preached so on wild. I've preached on moral issues before. This is definitely my strongest homily. Um, but Strongest meaning like most like direct and very direct, controversial. Very clear. And very reasonable. And I think the reason why they got so upset was if you listen to that podcast from two weeks ago, it starts off sounding great. You know, if you're a liberal and uh, you're in Boulder, Colorado, what you're hearing in the first half of my homily is wonderful. Father John being charming or whatever, talking about how dare the church tell us who to vote for, which political party to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets real bad. And then I start (laughs) saying, yeah, but then... There's this other thing called the seamless garment that comes from Cardinal Bernadine, and we can't subscribe to that because it equivocates all issues as being equal. And then they're like, wait a second. And then it's like, and guess what? Some of them are not equal. Some of them are so essential and blah, blah, blah. So I could just see it like, whoa, the crowd kind of turning. But it was so intense, man. It was just – and I was – I, it was like extreme joy to real sorrow to like real anger. Some people just treated me like absolute crap. Uh and uh, I treat I, I threw down with them like if I, and I don't know what to say about that. That doesn't sound very good. But like if someone comes after me, I'm not going to just be like, I'm so sorry that I offended you. Please don't. You know, I'm going to I'm going to kind of stand up for myself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to talk about a couple of those interactions uh, today. But anyways, I hope that's OK um, with you not knowing kind of the, the content of the homily. You, you've gleaned a lot of it. No, no, that's fine. I mean, I, I understand. I, I and I think I think at least knowing the. Last podcast was about a lot of the stuff you talked about in the homily. Mm-hmm. I think it's helpful for people here too. So I'm interested. I mean, I, I've heard some of these stories, but I think it's uh, I think it's interesting too that I don't remember growing up ever being at a homily where people were walking out. Yeah. Like I think it's really telling of our time. Yeah. And just the time that we're getting ordained, becoming priests, and kind of the world we're stepping into, and uh, that we're like that we need courageous priests, Christians, lay people, just to not to be uncharitable or belligerent. But just to speak the truth yeah. and just to really like and like you said, rationally engage some of this stuff and yeah. and push a little bit, not to not to you know tick people off, but to just to kind of speak the truth, you know, yeah. and maybe be persecuted for that, but yeah. but not always do it in charity. But you're right. At a certain point, when someone's coming at you, you can't be a doormat. You know, you can kind of come back with the same force, not to like 
you know, not to put them down or something like that, yeah. but to be like, no, this is. And if I had any moral failure in it, it was uh, getting too frustrated with people. You know, after the seventh or eighth person, after each mass, I was just right. like, and they're just yelling at me. I'm just like, you know what? You know, you talk to me like I'm just a complete idiot. And like, I'm just, you know, a Republican spy, as I was accused of being and all these different, it's just unbelievable. So, um, so, but I look at the life of Christ and I say, okay, if I'm living in persona Christi, that means that if no one ever walks out of my homilies or walks away from my message, which is essentially his message, then I have a, that's a problem. But if a lot of people all the time are walking away, that's also a problem. What I see in the life of Christ is that he has flashes of absolute contradiction and of strength and of boldness uh, and even violence, right? Because of his jealousy for the truth and for their souls. They're flashes. They're not like a year or so where he leads a rebellion. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. there are these moments and they're very intense and they're very strong and it divides and people walk away. And I thought that needs to be reflected in my priesthood. Two months ago, I was prompted to give this homily. I knew this was the right thing to do. Um, I knew the content that needed to be there. Everything... And part of it, too, was our, our Archbishop wrote a letter to uh, to be read at all the parishes. Yeah. And, he, and he's and he been very direct mm-hmm. uh, in when it comes to politics and preaching. And I think his example has kind of given the priests in the archdiocese uh, permission yeah. to kind of address these things directly as well. And I... Uh... I love that about him. I, I always say Archbishop Chaput, our previous Archbishop, who's now in Philly, he was my father. He's my spiritual father, and Aquila's my general because he just has mm. this, he commands this, like, presence and this strength. And I'm like, that's the man I want to go. And actually, Aquila came up on Saturday night because he wanted to come to the most, essentially the most controversial place in the diocese and say Mass. So he did the 5 p.m. Saturday night Mass, and one person walked out. I was like, Psh, I had six or seven. <laughs> no, just joking. Um and uh, he gave a very bold homily. But to know he's got your back, and then to know that my pastor, Father Peter, who you guys know, uh, has my back as well, and Father Peter preaches strong, and it was the same thing, that we're just unified. Because one of the guys in my men's group, his pastor essentially undid everything that he said and chewed him out the next day. And so to not have his back, you know, mm. because he wants popularity, he wants, I, I think, a false sense of peace. That's what we have. Um Paul tells us in the reading yesterday, it was so interesting. I was in, I went into prayer and fasting uh, yesterday uh, for the people who walked out and just in general. And the gospel, somewhere in Paul, I don't know where it is. Look it up yesterday. It was uh, November 3rd. Was that yesterday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or not the gospel, uh, the first reading. Yeah. But uh, you know what it is off the top of your head? No. no? Yeah. Anyways, it, Paul's talking about how uh, make my joy complete by being united in spirit and ideals. And what I realized was that the dissatisfaction of so many Catholics and the disinterest of so many Catholics is because we offer a false joy because we're content with a false unity. We are not unified. Right. And what I told him from the pulpit at the end of the homily was, until we are unified in principles, we will never be able to love in the world as we ought to. Right. Until we are convinced and unified in these principles, we won't be able to love. We have to be unified in spirit and ideals, as it says. Mm. And we're not. And you see the discord in a place like... Uh, our buddy's uh, parish, where his pastor gets up the next day, the priest that he, you know, works with, and and undoes everything and chews him out. It's just like unbelievable. Hmm. So those days are coming to an end. And these one person told me, they said, I'll be happy when you're gone. And I said, yeah, 
Well, when I'm gone, guess what? The next guy's coming in and it ain't going to be any different. And the guy after that is going to be no different because we are survivors of a generation that has been decimated because the last 40 years, everyone has been talking about how much the Catholic Church sucks, how horrible it is. And I looked at these people and I said, why are you Catholic? I was like, you hate the church. You hate her. You don't believe what she says. And I was like, what made you think that coming here Sunday after Sunday, that I was not completely sold out for the fullness of the truth? There is nothing that I disagree with. And if there was something that I disagreed with, I would want none of this. It's either all or nothing. You cannot choose. And what I realized as I was engaging and talking to these people was that they think the Pharisees are myself, the people who pray, the people who put on the vestments, right, the high priests. And so they think they're being Christ by telling me, well, you need to learn to love people. You need to learn to love your neighbor. You need to stop judging. You're so intolerant by your stance on marriage and these things. What I realize is the Pharisees of the, of, of the postmodern age are those are, are essentially cafeteria Catholics because the Pharisees are the ones who said, I am above the law. I have perfected it. I know better. I don't need confession. I don't need these precepts the church gives me. It's when you put yourself above the authority mm. uh, and you make yourself that, that's when you become a Pharisee. And that's what I'm dealing with. Mm. And, and, and I'm very convinced of that. The Pharisees are not the people who are a little tight, a little rigid. There are very few these days who are like that, who are a little scrupulous on things, you know. But they, it's just there's just a different Pharisaic class now. Um, it's in the church. It's very prominent. Uh, and now it's being taken on by young priests who are serious about the gospel and serious about the church's message. But man, is it intense. Yeah. Oh, it's intense. So, thoughts on this? It's wild that... It's not just in Boulder, too. It's really everywhere. Didn't you say one of the priests got, like, a standing ovation in his homily? So, yeah, the, these guys are all going to be named, uh, uh, not named, but um, out east, my friends, the Pinnix, uh, you know, the Pinnix, Joe, their their daughters live out east, and they uh, they told me that um, the priest out there in this little town, who's very, very intense, he's ex-army uh, ranger, like, super intense, gave essentially the same homily as me, but way more intense, and got a standing ovation, and... Uh, <laughs> So I tried to be patient, calm, uh, and very reasonable. I can send you the audio of the 11 p.m. or the 11 a.m., which was the most intense, the fifth and final version of it. You have it. I have it. I can oh, send it to anybody who wants it. Um, and we're. In, I'm interested in hearing your feedback. I, I'm not in any way going to say I did. This is the best thing I've ever done. But I have no. I have no regret. I am absolutely convinced that the Lord wanted it. This was the time, and He gave me the words to say. Um, and they're not hearing this every week. They're not hearing this even maybe two or three times a year. I give a controversial homily on the big five, you know, contraception, abortion, divorce, uh, uh, homosexuality, and then uh, women priesthood. Those are the kind of the big five issues for you touch those. And, right. And um, fireballs. You're Satan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I just think, and I, I told him this from the pulpit, I said, you are a living contradiction if you deny the principles of the Catholic Church and call yourself a Catholic, mm. which means if you vote pro-abortion and are Catholic. You are a living contradiction, and you're compromised in the church and outside. You're no good to anybody. You need to be a person of integrity first. And if you do not want a country that's founded on the principles that the church lays out, then you should not be Catholic, period. And mm -hmm. I told him that. Do not feel in any way obligated, right? I'm tired of dealing with, <laughs> I'm tired of dealing with people who are half fat. I just, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and it sounds like, oh, Father, you're such a jerk. But it, it, it's just... 
we can't deal with it anymore. The world is getting too sick. What I'm seeing and, and dealing with, I feel like I live in the future kind of being in Boulder, Colorado, um, hmm. because I kind of see everything. And uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know what to uh, what to say. There's so many things that kind of come to mind right now, but I don't want to keep blabbling on it. I don't even know how long it's been. This is like such a random, just blabbling. Yeah, I know. This but is I funny. think it's important for people to just know. What you're getting is the experience of a priest who stands up for the truth. This is what it looks like. This mm. is what we deal with. Uh, and I think hopefully it's a, hopefully it's helpful. This is a nice little break from our typical yeah, right. intellectual. No, it's it's kind of like how Christ is saying in Revelation that he, he wants us to be hot or cold, not lukewarm. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point, uh, and, and our culture is moving in such a direction that's becoming more and more with the issues that you raised, which... As the culture moves in that direction and the church stays kind of put uh, where it needs to stay put, the world will become more and more hostile to the church. And as that happens, I think you're going to see the lines become less and less blurred of like, okay, I'm either Catholic or I'm not. Because at a certain point, it's not going to be, there's no reason to be Catholic other than because you love the truth and you love Christ uh, at a certain point. Because there will be so much persecution just for, and a stigma for kind of, Oh, Catholics, you know, you're intolerant. And I've, I, I've gotten that just on the streets. Yeah. You know, if I'm, if I'm, you know, I was praying, uh, reading a Christian book in Crested Butte this, this summer when we were out there together. And I had a guy come up to me, just saw what I was reading and start going off. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't that, even know yeah. about Christianity. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, uh, thank <coughs> you. You know, um, because Christianity is becoming labeled as intolerant, belligerent, judgmental, all these things. When I was like, you know, I'm just sitting there reading and here's this guy just like, like starts shouting at me yeah. because, and he's telling me that I'm intolerant and, uh, and judgmental. And I'm like, I haven't even talked to you. And yeah. he's like totally judging me and not tolerating my presence. It was just like so striking. Um, but I think you're seeing something that's going to become more and more, like you said, you're seeing the future in some sense because Boulder is just more progressive. Yeah. Um, but I think you're seeing something that's going to be more and more common. And our I, uh, experience in the church. And I'll take anyone on in Boulder, Colorado, about oppression, intolerance, and persecution. There is no one, no one who's dealt with what I've dealt with in the last year and a half. There's nobody who gets called a pedophile just going into a coffee shop, you know, who gets mistreated, who gets chewed out. I mean, nothing. And my Catholic students, there are some of them, not a day has gone by where in the classroom they have not been persecuted for being Catholic. Not one day. I got a senior who's an anthropology and English major, Joseph Damore. And uh, he said, not one day has passed. That's crazy. That is wild. The Catholic Church has not been slammed. So I, I literally, I'm ready to take on anybody on that little topic. Mm-hmm. Um, there, People who struggle with same-sex attraction in Boulder, Colorado, are not being oppressed. They're not being oppressed by Christians. They're not being oppressed by anyone. They are, it's a very, very open-minded, accepting place. The people who are, are the people who hold to principles, and especially to Catholics. There's nothing like it. So... Uh, I say that. And then here's kind of the final thing. Lend on a good note. Yeah, sure. Because what I found this weekend, we usually think of it as like, we got to preach the uh, these hard truths so that people make decisions. But the biggest thing is not that. The biggest thing is the 80% of the people who have never experienced or have very few experiences of courageous uh, and bold fatherhood and what that does to them, the way that it strengthens their faith. See, we always focus on the people who need to walk out, the people who need to engage these things. But those people don't really matter. You know, they're not going to change. Um, maybe some of them, but for the most part, they're locked in. And the people who chewed me out, they're not interested in having a conversation. But the amazing thing was, you know, 
there was two people yesterday or Sunday that that are, will just are seared into my head. One guy was this like young guy, just jacked and just totally yoked, and uh, he was just he's strong and he just shook my hand and he looked me in the eye and he goes, "Father, he's like, I'm proud to be Catholic today because God calls real men to be priests." And he's like, "Thank you." And I was just like, ah! <laughs> I was like, that was awesome. And then I got an email, and this was the most beautiful thing. And this girl said, I struggle with same-sex attraction. And I was like, uh-oh, here we go. And then she said, today was the first time I've ever been felt authentically loved because today was the first time I've ever felt someone give me the courageous witness to have the courage to not identify myself by those emotions, by those passions, and to actually live chastely. She said that. She listened to that homily as someone who struggles with same-sex attraction and actually felt the courage to be chased and to not define herself like that. I couldn't believe it. Praise and God. I told her, I said, that's one of the most beautiful and important emails I've ever received in my life.